from 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. John writes in these verses about the paths we can walk, or we could walk. There is a message we have heard from him and declared to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word has no place in our lives. We've had a a great series of lessons over the last uh, several weeks, uh, looking at the one and other passages of the New Testament. And uh, it's a tremendously rich and wonderful and important study. So we want to talk about what I consider to be the ultimate one another today and kind of wrap up the series. Now, when we come to the New Testament, there are many vital teachings, uh, especially about Christ and God and salvation. Uh, but there's two that really focus on the Christian. And um, I've got a coffee here, Doug, so I'm good. Yeah, no, I'm fine, thanks. Um, one of them is summed up by the expression, in Christ. And in Christ, um, you know, one of the things, that's, and many uh, had an opportunity to know Donna's dad, my father-in-law, Roy Merritt. Um, Roy used to say that the expression in Christ is one of the most important ones in the New Testament. He kept talking about writing a book about, you know, a study about that expression in the New Testament. Uh, unfortunately, he never did that. Uh, but the idea of in Christ really focuses on the vertical relationship. Vertical is, you know, this way, between, between us and God. Uh, and, for example, Paul in, in Ephesians identifies the blessings that we have in Christ. You know, that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Um, but the other expression is one another. And this is the horizontal. This is, you know, our level. You and me together as a community. Uh, we'll be talking about that. Um, so the New Testament uses expressions like family and body to describe that. So the passage we just read from 1 John, um, uh, and, you know, really the whole chapter, uh, five verses before what we read, or four verses, um, John is setting the tone for his short letter and describing... Um, to begin with, a very important idea that uh, what was from the beginning, what we've seen with our eyes, 
what we've touched. You know, it's, I, I, I don't know about you, but I get goosebumps when I read 1 John 1. I really think about what's happening. I am reading the words of a man who's telling me about his personal encounters with Christ. You may have had a friend who at some point has name dropped about some personal contact with a very famous person. You know, I mean, odds are that if we were to ask around that many people here could talk about having met or seen a famous person. But to think about John's description of a personal, intimate contact with Jesus, to the point even he could say, what I've touched, I've seen, I've heard. You know, it's just, it's just so wonderful. And refers to Jesus as the eternal life. So, uh, John and the Apostles... In this section of First John, um, John refers to the idea that they're witnesses. You know, this is not second, third hand. They were with him. They knew him. And so, why is John writing this? He's saying, well, I'm writing this because of fellowship. You know, fellowship means to have or to share in common. We've talked about fellowship um, even in this series. Fellowship, uh, I mean, sometimes we reduce the idea of fellowship to this, right? Uh, That's not exactly what we mean by fellowship, is it? Fellowship is something more personal, more real, more more. Connected. Yeah, we may express our fellowship by sitting and having a coffee together or a cup of tea or whatever it is that you drink. For Chad, it's juice. But it's the sitting together because of a common relationship and connection that we have, of a, of a common faith that we have. So John says, I'm writing this so that you may have fellowship with us. 2,000 years later, we can connect with John and the apostles who sat and heard Jesus. And in that fellowship with us, understand that we have fellowship with the Father, with God, and with His Son, Jesus Christ. It isn't that you get your relationship with God through us. That what we want to do is to share with you about this relationship so that you can enjoy it, have fellowship with us as you have fellowship with God. And so you can have fellowship with the light. So John goes on then to say, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. 
What he's describing is that idea that when we become Christians, we're baptized into Christ, we now live in Christ, going back to that first expression we mentioned, And so, we have fellowship with each other because we share that common relationship that we entered through our baptism. Our salvation comes in Christ. Our fellowship with one another comes as a result. You know, one of the things we always need to understand is we don't have fellowship with God because we have fellowship with one another. That's, that's putting the, the cart before the horse. What we, what we have is a relationship with each other because we have a relationship with God. So without the relationship with God, we can't really... I mean, we can sit and have a cup of coffee together. We can have a good time together. But not in the biblical sense of that word fellowship do we have that relationship. And so one another becomes a very important statement or idea in, in these verses. Now, one another, uh, the, the first time that one another is used in this sense, Jesus used it in John 13, 34 and 35. When he tells his, his apostles, disciples, that he wants them to love one another. I mean, you can find other uses of the expression of one another, but not in the sense of the relationship between Jesus and his disciples and his disciples with each other or one another. And so we've heard a lesson in this series about one another. But actually the expression one another, um, I, I was playing with my one of my Bible programs, and I put in, you know, the search one another. I then had to go through all those results to see how many of them related to what we were talking about. And then I thought, well, wait a minute. One another is not the only way you could say this. For example, you could say each other. Isn't that the same? One another, each other. And collectively, you know, it comes up to close to 50 times. And the New Testament. <clears throat> Parents, how many times have you told your children, I've told you a million times not to do that? little exaggeration, right? But the reality is, is repetition is important. <coughs> and sometimes we need to repeat things Or have things repeated to us. Because it's a way of emphasizing. So, when the New Testament and, and the, the, you know, other than John 13, almost all of these other references to one another occur from Romans to 1 John. Almost every book of the New Testament of the letters have a statement that says one another and refers to something about what the relationship between those in Christ should look like. And so in this series, we've heard lessons that that touch on different aspects of that. 
It's a way of saying what God expects of us, of his people. For example, over ten of them say love one another. I couldn't help but think that, you know, you hear parents say, all I want for my children is for them to love each other and get along. Well, if we look at the New Testament, that's an important part about loving one another, about being in this one another relationship. And if you look at all of the others, it's implied in some way as part of loving one another. Uh, Forgive one another, encourage one another, bear with one another, live in harmony with one another. You know, as you just go down the list, and if I love you, then shouldn't these be part of what comes into that relationship? And so, The idea is used to refer to this fellowship, this one another, is being members of a body, members of one another. And then you think about, uh, for example, when Paul writes to the Ephesians about the care of a husband to his wife because they are now one flesh. And he should be looking after his wife as he looks after his own body. And he says that we nourish and cherish our own bodies. We care for them. We should care for our spouses. But that brings us to our relationship with one another. And how we love and care for one another. So why is it important? Well, as you look through these letters in the New Testament, uh, one of the things that really stands out is that in the first century church, there was an incredible diversity. There were males and females. There were Jews and Gentiles. There were barbarians, there were Scythians, there were slaves, there were freemen, there were masters. You know, it would be safe to say that there were no clones. You know, everybody was a a distinct individual. And they came with their own backgrounds and perspectives and cultures. But the reality is, and 1 Corinthians really stands out in my mind here, although Ephesians as well, that there were divisions and tensions that resulted from the diversity. You know, some of you know that one of the classes I love to teach and one of the books I love to, to really read and study is 1 Corinthians because it is so much like our world today. And as we understand the tensions in our world, 
because of its diversity, we realize how powerful one another in the church can become. You know, last night we had the, the shower. Uh, Echo and Sandra and little Georgia. And we had a number of people that were from the Ghanaian community here in Winnipeg. Uh, some of Echo's university professors. And it was really interesting to see and see them watching what was going on because we're a family. And we need to show that, we need to see that. So one another is important because it flies in the face of the, if I could call it the natural human conduct that often happens. Jesus prayed that the world would know him because of the love and unity of his disciples. It's a powerful testimony, seeing what happens in the one body. You know, and I was thinking as you you think about uh, 1 Corinthians 13, we call it the love chapter. And it's really interesting because... When do you normally hear 1 Corinthians 13? At a wedding. Paul was not thinking about marriage when he wrote the great chapter on love. He was thinking about Christians that don't get along in the church. He was thinking about the divisions. It starts back at the very first chapter. I appeal to you that you all be of the same mind. There be no divisions among you. And you find as you read through the book all these different ways that the church at Corinth was divided. Gifted, not gifted, rich, poor, uh, Jew, Gentile. And so... When he starts off, when I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. That's talking about us in our spiritual lives, in our, in our church lives. So, I think we need to read 1 Corinthians 13 very carefully about one another. That's what I mean when I call this the, the ultimate one another. That the encouragement of 1 Corinthians 13 is, is putting and pulling the pieces together into the one body and cementing our fellowship in such a way that it cannot be broken. I've thought about something all week as I've been working on this lesson. And I thought, I've got to do this very carefully, so I'm just going to get you thinking about it. So imagine that I ask you to hold your finger up. I said, imagine. And then I ask you to take your finger, hold it horizontally, and put it in your mouth, and chomp down hard on it. 
And you look at me like, you're nuts. Why would I want to do that? I didn't hear anybody scream, so hopefully nobody did it. Well, if we wouldn't do that to our physical bodies, why would we do that to our spiritual family or body? Paul speaks about biting and devouring one another. Wow. He speaks about slandering, speaking against one another. Grumbling. You know, it's one of the things that's part of a healthy relationship, a healthy family, is loyalty, isn't it? And being members of one another, being members of the same family and the same body, we should have a loyalty for one another. Just a quick reference back, and then we're a little bit over time. But think back to what John said in First John 1. If we say we have no sin, we lie, don't practice the truth. Why? Because we all sin. We're not perfect. None of us is perfect. Sorry about that. I hate to break it to you. None of us is perfect. I'm not. So if you expect me to be perfect, I hate to disillusion you, and I'll, I'll, I'll break the tension right away by saying I'm not perfect. But neither are you. And my one another for you is to forgive you even before you do wrong. To compensate. So, loving one another, we overcome the prejudice and hatred that occurs naturally between human beings. We may come from different cultures, different backgrounds, different families. We may have different customs. We just may have different ways of thinking. You know, in the world, we're kind of programmed to say, well, somebody who's different, we don't. And you listen to what's going on in our world, in our culture. As it's tearing itself apart by division and bad attitudes. And we need to love one another. And that's more than a nominal relationship of brother and sister. You know, <clears throat> I grew up in congregations where everybody was brother, sister, you know, hello, brother, hello, sister, you know, and it was quite outgoing. But then you hear people go, oh, did you hear about brother so-and-so? How can you say brother and stab him in the back? Where's the love? Where's the loyalty? Where's the one another? It's extending real fellowship to all. And you know, one of the things that I love about this congregation, about you, I know there's a few exceptions. I won't name you, but no. (laughs) But you look around. And look at the diversity. People from all over the world. And the love 
that we have. It's not perfect. I don't think it'll ever be perfect till we get to heaven, but it's wonderful to enjoy the relationship that we have because we're all part of Christ. And most of us realize that what binds us together is our relationship with Christ. It's not because we are all clones of the same thing. But it, we give legitimate brother-sister status by our demonstration. You know, what we call one another, I mean, you know, calling each other brother-sisters is nice. But isn't it better to show one another that we're brothers and we're sisters? That we are one body that we love. That we are all in Christ. It's an important dimension, an idea. The New Testament church really had to wrestle with it because it was something new in a world that was fractured and divided. That Jesus brought people together in one body, one family, that they could say one another, not in a superficial sense, but with real depth and meaning. Tim's chosen a song for us to close with. As we're singing this song, I want to encourage each one. I hope as Christians, we all can recommit ourselves to one another. But if you're here and you're not a Christian, you'd like to learn more about becoming a Christian, you can talk with me, with Jay, with Sean, one of the other elders. We're here to help you in any way that we can.